0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 3rd of December 2017, entitled Loving Though Unloved, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 15, verses 9 to 27. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Jesus, of course, uh, speaking here, I believe this was spoken on His way from having His last meeting in the upper room with His apostles and on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he would be betrayed. And he is speaking to them here, and in verse 9 of John chapter 15, he says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all those things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me, hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the world might be fulfilled, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause." But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth forth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because he hath been with me from the beginning. Lord, thank you for this reading this evening, and we just pray that, Lord, as we look here, Lord, that you would just help us this evening to grasp that which you would have for us, I know undoubtedly, Lord, that you laid this passage upon my heart, but you knew at that time exactly who would be here this evening. So help us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Most people know at some time or another what it is like to love somebody and not be loved in return. I remember reading the little story about the the young man, and that's often when it happens in those young years. And he went to his mom and he said, Mom, what can a fellow do when he's in love with a girl and he finds out that she doesn't love him? What do you do? Well, a lot of us at different times have loved people that we feel that they didn't return that love. Well, his mother replied to him, Son, the only thing I know to do is just try to make the best of it. You can't make somebody love you. You know, all we can do is love them. And, uh, and that's what we want to, to look at because... I guess that I shared with some of you. I mean, the the three months that we recently spent on the road, and we were in and out of churches all up and down the road. And uh, I was just sharing with Dave. I mean, some of them were were big churches, and some were little churches, and some were in between churches. And you go in, and and they've all got their own styles. Uh, some some has this kind of style of worship, and another style of worship. And most of the time, you never know until you get there what uh, what you got to do to to fit into. Uh, uh, to their various situations that uh, that they have there, but the one thing that I did notice is that, regardless of whether they were as far north or as far south or east or west or where they might be, that uh, you know one of the messages that I really felt like the Lord had burdened my heart to try to to share with the churches is is this message of of love. Why do we do what we do? You know, the Apostle Paul wrote to. The church, and he said, and, and to the church of Corinth, he said that it's, it's the love of Christ that constraineth me, that compels me, that controls me. You know, he just got through saying, I, I do all this stuff because I know I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. I know I'm going to have to give an answer for my actions. I know that everybody else is going to have to give an answer for their actions, and all these are good reasons. But that which really compels me, that which, which constrains me, that which makes me do what I do... Is the love of Christ. And then we look back in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, we find that the very first of those seven churches, when the church at Ephesus, it began that slide that went right down to, in the end, we get to the Laodicean church, which made God sick to his stomach. But it all began with that first church when they left their first love. They left their first love. You know, God hadn't gone anywhere. God hadn't changed, but this was the earliest church. And yet they had left that that first love. The chapter right before our reading here in John chapter 15, when Jesus made that wonderful, wonderful promise that He was He was going back to heaven to prepare a place for us, and that if he went to prepare a place, that He'd come again and that He'd receive us unto Himself and all of that. And yet, down in verse 12, in going away, he said that Verily, verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto the Father. Greater works than what you've seen me do are you going to do because I'm going to the Father. Why? The same thing that we just read. He had made that promise that he was going to send another. You see, when Jesus Christ was here, he was in one body, one place, at one time. But now he's in each and every one of you that are believers. And I believe as sure as I'm standing here, that my only purpose still on this earth, and your purpose if you're a believer, above everything else that you might do, is that the work of Christ be fulfilled through your life. You, whoever you are, God has a purpose for you. God can use you. Christ can work through you if you allow Him to do that. And here He is. He is sharing with us this <clears throat> this intimacy as He talks to us here. That just like the fathers loved Him, He has loved us. And he wants us to continue in that same agape love, that unconditional love, that love that's always focused on the the giving and the doing rather than the getting and the receiving and what it's going to do for me. And he goes on, but he, he shares with us in this that, that if we love like he loved, look at what they did to him. <laughs> look at how they treated the Lord Jesus. Now, who are these that he's talking about here? Who are these? And and I guess we can look right back through the Scripture, and, of course, we find that in Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, verse 34 and 35, it says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto to the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. The prophets, we look it's, it's it's the prophets that that the Lord sent to be his spokesman here upon this earth. And yet time and time and time he said to them, this is the way you treated the very ones that I sent to you to do my work, to be a spokesman for me, to carry these things to you. And yet look at the way that you have, have treated them. Of course, right here in this passage, Jesus is very, very clear as the way that, that he has been treated. And he said in verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You see, the reality is this today, and, and, and it's something that's very dear to my heart. I'm absolutely convinced that sometimes we are more concerned about what the world thinks of us and how the world accepts us. Now, we're not trying We're not trying to get the world to turn against us. We're trying to love the world. We're trying to show them a love greater than any love that they have ever known for. But nobody showed that love greater than Jesus Christ himself. And he said, the world hated me. Why? Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. They don't know God. They don't know God. They don't understand. A lot of this doesn't make any sense to them whatsoever. And he goes on, if I had not come and spoken unto them, They had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin before that they come to realize if Jesus hadn't come to show them the sin and, of course, the wages of that sin, then they wouldn't have known it. But because he did, they have nowhere to to hide that sin. There's There's no cloak for it anymore. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, They had not had sin, but now have they both sinned and hated both me and my father. You see, they hated Christ, and they will hate the followers of Christ. Because, folks, the work of Christ can't take place in our life. No, it doesn't make sense. And I was was sharing today with with the young man that was with us this morning that drove down from Leeds, and we were talking about a lot of different things as far as Scripture and, and, and doctrines and and, and different things. But, you know, we, we have so many things in the Word of God. I mean, this morning, it was not a very nice subject when you're when you're dwelling on hell. But we need to know what the Bible teaches because the world is trying to teach all kinds of false things out there. We need to know the truth about these things. And, of course, whatever it is, what was it that the great love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and the Bible tells us clearly, <laughs> You know, we can do all kind of great things. We can have all kind of prophecy and wisdom and all these things. But without love, it's just a tinkling cymbal. It's just a sounding brass. It's just a bunch of noise without that love. Because we stand strong on the truths of God's Word, it doesn't mean that we don't do it in love. You see, Christians of all ages, look at those that have made it possible for us to be able to be right here tonight. They've been they've been hated and they've been they've been persecuted. If you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you ought to pick up a copy. I've probably got a spare copy if you don't that you can borrow. But to understand that those that have loved Christ that have had to pay the ultimate price, he tells us right here: no no greater greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. There are many that have been willing to lay their lives down because of their great love. So. I want you to understand, the ones that we're talking about here to do the loving are those that have Christ dwelling in them, and it's it's a pretty it's a pretty strong statement that uh, uh, that he that he makes if I can uh, if I can find it here uh, real quick that uh, uh, that John wrote to them when he was uh, uh, talking to them about uh, about loving in one John and first uh, John chapter three. Beginning in verse 11, he said, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous jealousy. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we... Love the brethren. One of the things that should show in your life, people wonder about one of the, one of the first books. When people are, are wanting to know more about Jesus to be saved, the gospel of John is a great book for them to see the life of John. When they get saved, one John, first John is one of the first books that I send them to because if you want to really know if you are saved, it tells you the changes that should take place in your life. Huh. We know we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. We love like we couldn't love before. There's a love that's, that's not our own. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath the world's good, there's not a one of us here this evening that wouldn't fit into that care. We have been blessed beyond measure like most people on the face of this earth never even experience. Whoso hath the world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How dwelleth the love of God in him? In him, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. How much clearer could it be? The only way we can experience the love of God is through Jesus Christ. The world hates us because they don't know him. They don't know God. They don't know who God is. But the only way that we can come to know God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus says that he's got this commandment that we are to love the world in the same way that he did, that we're to love one another in that same unconditional love. That's not something that comes natural to us as human beings, but it's something that (laughs) he also tells us. How can we, if we have Christ living in us, how can we see our brother in need and close up our bowels of compassion, not care, not hurt, not feel about that, how can we then say that the love of Christ is living in us? How can we say that? Because that's not the love of Christ. That's not what should be coming through our lives. So what I want you to grasp, first of all, is that here in John chapter 15, that these ones that he's talking about, folks, they are the prophets. They are those those martyrs that have gone before us. But They're the Christians of all ages, including you and I right here this evening. We are the ones that are to love this world like nobody else. You know, they should never ever question. I don't care. They should never question your love for them, no matter what that you're talking with them about, no matter what subject that it is, they should never, ever question the fact that you love them. Why are they not loved? If, if it is we, if it is those that, that Christ is dwelling in, if it's that work of Christ going through us, the love of Christ going through us, everything that we do is done with that love that totally wraps it, that girds it. That makes it what it is if we are loving in that way why do they not love us in return well he tells us here in verse 19 if ye were of the world the world would love his own but because you're not of the world but I have chosen you out of the world therefore the world hateth you it's nice to belong I don't care who you are it's nice to belong it's nice to feel like that you're not being rejected and pushed away. Do you know that many Christians, the hardest obstacle they have to overcome in in witnessing and sharing Christ with someone is rejection because of people rejecting what they have. Someone was asking me recently about whether we, whether we still went to the doors in our neighborhood and whatnot, and I said, yes, we do. Matter of fact, you know, at least twice a year we, we try to put the gospel through there and the times in between we try to go and knock on those doors and have conversations with them and talk to those people and build relationships to let them know that we are here and that we care. We're not there on the doorstep to condemn them. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save them. And so we find that the reason the world, the world here, we're not of the world. So they're going to find us different. We don't belong to them. The truth, the truth that we speak will reveal the sinfulness of the world. God's word will reveal that sinfulness. All of Christ's doctrines that teaches us that we're all sinners. That's not something that's palatable that people like to hear, that that people want to face and come to terms with. The holiness. You see, your life should be different We know that we're, some of us farther than others, we're far from perfection. But they ought to see something in your life that's different. You're not of this world. You are different. They are going to see you as being different. Sometimes, because of the life that you're living, because of the message that you bring, just like with Jesus Christ, that's going to make them very, very uncomfortable Why it's so important that it's bathed in love. Let the word of God be the one that convicts them. Let the Holy Spirit do that work of convicting. Let Jesus Christ be seen in your life as you allow these things to work through you. Jesus talks about it right here. Because we don't approve of their type of world, of their evil practices and, and all of these things. Stop and think. You know, a lot of people say, well, if only... If only I could have been there like the apostles were and walked with Jesus when he walked on this earth and and seen him literally be able to do those miracles. Listen to me. They were his closest followers on this earth. They did walk with him. They were taught personally by him. They were the ones also that when it came just after this was written to them, when he got to the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was arrested, when he was taken away, that's when they ran the other way. They weren't there, and they were his closest. They didn't stand with him. And we find that as time went on, on the day of Pentecost, that same Peter that had denied him three times before that cock crew stood and preached that message that we looked at part of it this morning. He stood and proclaimed that message. God used him despite his past failings. But stop and think about this every one of those that was the closest to him, every one of them that went about doing his work when he left here, our church was established on them as the foundation with Jesus Christ as that chief cornerstone, and except for the Apostle John, who had the pleasure of being put on the island by himself, away from civilization and everything else. Sometimes that might seem like a blessing, (laughs) But he was he was locked away off, off of that island away from 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 human life, but all the others they died a martyr's death they died some horrible deaths, they were the ones that was allowing Christ to be seen through them, and that's what the world thought of them. You see, the reality is this: we don't have to go around pointing our finger, condemning the world with our Holier than thou attitude. We need to have compassion and care and love and be willing to lay down our life. I don't care how much they hurt you. You know, Jesus set the greatest example when he hung there on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I've said time and time and time again, how can you get past? How can you get past that person you've poured so much love into? And yet all you seem to get is rejection, rejection, rejection. How can you get past when sometimes all you're genuinely and you're caring and your love, you get the mockery and being made fun of and all of this ridicule that comes back from it? Remember, let that cause your compassion to grow. Let that show you how much they need Jesus Christ. They're not the enemy. They need Christ in their lives. If Christ were in their lives, they would be a new creature. All those old things would pass away. He makes new people out of us. You see, we're all vile in the flesh. And if you're anything at all, if there's anything good in you, it's only because of the Christ that dwells there that makes you more than that. When you see them let it allow your compassion to grow because you realize that the devil's got such a hold on them and if if they don't come to realize the truth but you love them you love them with the truth you don't you know we said this morning hey you know hell is a reality we have to know it and we have to talk about it sometimes but we don't have to enjoy it <laughs> we don't have to Envy the idea of anybody going there. We need to realize that the lovers that are being talked about here in John chapter 15 is each and every one of us that Christ lives and dwells within. And why are we not loved? Because they didn't love Christ. They didn't love his apostles that followed after him. They haven't loved right down through the centuries. They haven't loved those that has stood up and counted the most. It's easy sometimes, and I know, you know even as a pastor, sometimes I just like to kind of melt into the background and, 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 and dissolve sometimes and just not even be there. But that's not what we're here for. We're not here to be bystanders. You see, I don't know how many years that any one of you have from the youngest, I guess David's the, nope, key to be the youngest one over there we won't say who the oldest one is, probably me. But whatever our age might be, you know, the love of Christ can show through your life. The work of Christ can be great. Why did he say greater things than these? Because he wants to be working in each and every one of us, not just one flesh in one body, but all of us. But the world is not going to love us. Those that come to know him will love you. But we want to keep loving the world. We want to keep loving the world. You see, he says, the world, in verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The prince of this world is Satan. People don't realize the influence. I, again, I, <laughs> I find so many times was talking to somebody this week about the reality, the reality of of, of those powers of darkness. The reality is, yes, the the demonic realm. We were talking this morning about those those angels that were literally exiled to that place called Hades until the, the judgment one day, that special place there for them in, I'm sorry, not Hades, but Tartarus that they were exiled to and they were confined there until the judgment. It's real. But you see a lot of people in the world they want to put the blame this always the devil made me do it or there's a demon behind this rock or a demon behind that rock we better realize we are in a spiritual battle but most of us most of us don't need a personal in- introduction of satan into our lives because <laughs> our flesh is already messed up enough as it is we are our worst own enemies it's the lust of our flesh that leads us into to most of those things what's comfortable What's desirable in this life? You see, with Cain, it was envy. It was jealousy. We find that with Ahab, it was sensuality. With Herodias, it was adultery. With the Pharisees, it was hypocrisy. Right down through the centuries, we can look at it over and over and over again. We're a bunch of imperfect people. But the one thing that we can have is compassion, patience, to let the love of Christ truly show through our lives. I'm I'm totally convinced, and I know that I've talked to some of you personally about this, I'm totally convinced that sometimes we've been our worst own enemies because we get a bee in our bonnet about this thing or that thing or something else, and, and we can become such critical people that we're so busy condemning everybody else for what they're doing wrong, when in actual fact we need to be Loving and allowing the love of Christ to show through us. Yes, we take the stand. Yes, we stand for what's right. Yes, we stand against what's wrong. But let's do it with the right attitude. Let's do it with the love of Christ. Let's do it with the patience. I'm going to tell you. I mean, God had to have more patience with me than anybody can even imagine. His grace was humongous when it came to me. I didn't deserve any of it. We don't love people because they deserve it. We don't love people for what they can do for us. We love a people that will not love us. The more we love them, the more that we are like Christ, the more of His life that's showing through us. He said for us to love them in the same way that He's loved us. We need to show them that. That needs to be a part of our lives, no matter how strong that we stand on what. Love our enemies. Love, our persecutors, you know, not only Jesus, but I think of dear old Stephen. You know, there he was. He had just been picked by the church because he was one of those men that was an example to them that they chose to be a servant of the church, to be their, their deacon. They chose Stephen because he was a godly man that they saw the Holy Spirit in his life. And yet... The world stoned him to death because of what he was doing. But his attitude towards those stoners was the same as Jesus's was on the cross. He never hated. He was never vehement. He loved them and prayed for their forgiveness. We need that same kind of attitude, folks. There's two significant facts that we should ponder. The unlovers of God and his people shall be cut off and perish. All those that don't know God, those that give you the greatest persecution, they're the ones that God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. The end that is awaiting them, you don't want for them, not really. All true Christians shall have their triumph over the enemy. We know that that we're going to be triumphant. We shall have our portion with God in the ages to come. We need to be caring for them. We need to realize that what they need more than anything in the world. So many times, I guess over the years, some of you here, you've got husbands and wives and spouses, and I know some of you have been married 30, 40 plus years. You've never had an argument, never had a crossword, never disagreed on anything, But, of course, sometimes those things can really, really go south, as they say. And I've had so many times that people have come on the verge, you know, of marriages breaking up and all this, and almost always, almost always, it's the other person's fault. It's the other person because the eyes get focused on all the faults of the other person and what what they're doing wrong. And, of course, so many times, you know, what can I do? No matter what I do, I don't deserve this and I don't deserve that. My answer is always the same. Love them more than you ever have. Love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is an action. And the greatest way to receive love is to love. We love him because he first loved us. If if they don't deserve anything that you're giving to them, you love them even more. Just like God loved you. I promise you. I promise you, you can't make somebody love you. But the greatest way that you can get love returned to you is by loving more. You get your part. They'll have to worry about their part. God has said for you, and you know, God tells us that, that. It's always on you and I, even when the disagreement is between friends, not just husbands and wives. If you know that your brother's got all against you, what are you supposed to do? Go to him. But what about if you're the one that's got something against him, what are you supposed to do? Go to him. It's never, ever, ever in God's economy is it for you to wait for somebody to come to you to get things straightened out. You're the one. You're the one. You're the one that's supposed to have Christ in you. If the glove of Christ is dwelling in your heart, if he's dwelling in you, you can be an overcomer. You can do what's right, not in your flesh, but in him that lives and dwells within you. My encouragement to you this evening is that as Jesus was preparing to face the greatest rejection of all, he was on his way to Calvary when he penned these words. And He said, look, I don't deserve what they're doing to me, but they've hated me. They've hated me because they don't know God. And if they've hated me, they're going to hate you. They hate me because my life amongst them, it it, it allows them to see their their sin and their their failings and their shortcomings. May I encourage you this evening that rather than being the world's greatest critic, be the world's greatest lover. Love like Jesus loves. If they're going to criticize you something, let it be because you love people too much. (laughs) Just keep loving no matter what. And that's not natural in you. But if Christ lives within you, it is something It is something that you can bring from, from inside of you through his power. I don't care how hard it is. Jesus was on his way for his greatest rejection, and yet he said, hey, <laughs> there is no greater love than to be willing to lay down your life for that friend. So my encouragement this evening, the Lord laid upon my heart, I don't know. Who needed it for what? Sorry for the scratchy voice, but it's just to share with you folks. We live in a world of hate. We live in a world that just look around us. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's the political world. It doesn't matter whether it's the business world. People hate each other for all kind of things, and usually it's just like in here. It's the envy. It's the jealousy. We find that we ought to be different. We're not of this world. We've been called out of this world. He chose us out of this world, and therefore, let us be what he wants us to be. You know, there is no sin in being successful as long as you're where God needs you to be. But there is a sin in letting success go to your head and letting that be your aim and your goal to be successful in this world when the greatest success you can have. You know, some of you got more years than I've got, but what are you going to do with them? Well, you we might have less years than I've got. You never know. I'm not trying to go anywhere quick. If I can uh, help, I'm ready to go whenever God wants me. But, uh, but mine, Kirk, man, I would not go back and do less for God at any point in my life if I had the choice. And I can honestly say with every ounce that's within me, whatever time I got left in this life, I just want to do more and more for him. I want to do more of what really matters I want to do more of what Christ really left us here for. I said it to you before. I said it, I said it all up and down the United States. If you're a believer, you see, if you're not a believer, God has one purpose for your life, and that's that you get saved. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to be saved. He wants your sins to be put under the blood. If you are saved, he has another purpose for your life. And that's that the work of Christ could be done through you. Do you realize that's all Jesus came for was to seek and to save that which was lost. He came. His purpose was for you, to save you. And now his purpose through you is to save others. That's how this passage comes to a close, is that fruit, that fruit that will come because of Christ working through us. And that's the only fruit that's going to matter, by the way, is the fruit that comes forth because uh, of the work of Christ through our lives. But there's nothing greater. And don't start feeling proud because you're doing this for God and you're doing that for God, you're doing something else for God. Because the truth is, we can never do enough for God. But my encouragement to you this evening is, yep, you're going to be unloved in this world that we live in. But be a lover. Be a lover, even though that you're unloved. Love each and every one of those people, even though that they want nothing to do with you. Let the love of Christ, that perfect sacrificial love of his, show through you to them and your life will make a difference, I promise you. Father, thank you this evening, Lord, for this time that we've had to to just look at this simple passage of Scripture. I know there's so much more there. But, Father, we've tried to look in the simplicity this evening, Lord, that you have commanded us. You've commanded us. You've commanded us, first of all, to accept your love. You've commanded us then to love with that same love to others. So I pray, Lord, that you would just help us this evening, that you'd help us to love like we've never loved before, even though it might bring more unloving actions from the world around us than we've ever faced either. But help us. Help us to be what you'd have us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.